Part four, Jesus is Lord. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about disciples making disciples. In the, in the first three sermons, we focused uh, on the preeminence of Jesus Christ. That as Christ followers, it's, it's supposed to be all about Jesus in our lives. He is the foundation. And we were singing the song again today about you know, building our lives on, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously that's what we need to do. We need to build our, our life on Jesus. And what I'm going to do now is take the focus off on um, just talking about building our lives on Jesus and, and going into like, well, how does that happen? What things do we need to do in order to make sure that our lives are being built on Jesus? And so the first topic I want to deal with that kind of moves us away just from the, uh, the centricity of Jesus Christ is about being a Christ follower, about being a solid disciple. So that's what I want to focus on today, and, and we'll branch off into other areas of this as uh, we're moving uh, towards uh, a Good Friday and uh, Resurrection Sunday and those things. So Matthew 28, and uh, familiar passage, but I, I want to read this for you. Verse 19, Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and this is the focus, verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you until the end of the age. Once you, you've understood that you need to build your lives on Christ, that he's the foundation, I think... You know, the next question, or, or at least one of the, the next few questions that would be good to ask yourself, well, well, what are my priorities as a Christ follower? What should I be doing? And the quick answer for some might be this. Well, you should go to church. And obviously, I think that's true. You need to gather with people. It's, you need to connect with the body. Faith needs to be done in community. And people will say to you, well, you need to read your Bible. And absolutely, how can we know what God is saying, what God is speaking, unless we're in the Word? Because that's the, the primary way that God speaks to us through His Word. And then people would say, well, the Bible talks a lot about praying, and we need to pray, and so let's pray. And so uh, that's good, we want to pray. And, you know, if you took that question a little deeper, it would be, well, well, how do I do that? If you want to know how to do that, we have a spiritual formations class that you can sign up for next fall. And, and so we, we need to go to church, we need to read our Bibles, we need to pray. Um, those are all good things, and we need to do all those things. How we do those things, there's diversity in how we do that, and that's good to explore. I don't think any two people do that the same way, but there are good things that we can learn from one another, from the scriptures or from one another relating to how we do all of those things. But it's interesting that in Matthew 28, as it's recorded here, and the timeline is this, right? Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. Uh, if you were to bring this over to the book of Acts, you would see this found in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus talks about waiting to be filled with the Spirit, to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes, and that he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit, and, and they would you know, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the outermost parts of the world. This passage here, and, and that passage in Acts chapter 1, the passage found in Luke 24, they're all intricately uh, connected. 
It's all part of the same conversation. And so when Jesus is, is about ready to ascend, when he's uh, getting ready to, to leave the disciples and send the Holy Spirit, he says to them, remember that you have the responsibility to go into all of the world and preach the gospel and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, there's, there's quite a bit of, of stuff in there, but, but I want to focus specifically on verse 20 because the emphasis found in 19 and 20, if you looked at what's the meat, what's Jesus really getting at in there, as, as much as the baptism stuff is important, and it is, the emphasis in, in these sentences is on the teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That there's instruction that's supposed to be given out. That people need to know about Jesus and all of the things that he instructed them about, of course, including things like baptism. And so... If I could summarize it and put it in a quick sentence to, to continue the beginning of the message, you know, our responsibility as a Christ follower, our responsibility as a disciple maker is to go and make disciples. Your responsibility isn't kind of go to church, do church things. Those are there. But we, we go to church and we do church things and we learn and we read the Bible and we pray and we do all of that kind of stuff for the purpose of crafting ourselves into a quality disciple that we can go and make disciples of other people. That's the purpose. So ask yourself that question right from the beginning, you know? Like, am I doing my best with the help of, of church life, with the help of peers in Christ, to craft myself into the best disciple that I can be. Because that's imperative if you're going to go and make disciples of other nations or, or disciples of other people, right? You can't, and you've heard this said before, you can't take somebody past, really spiritually, where you've been. I don't know if you agree with that. I know it's one of those truisms that's thrown out. But I think there's something to it. You can't really lead, your, lead others into truth that you haven't experienced or, 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 or led them into understanding or led them into some kind of spiritual experience uh, if you haven't gone there yourselves. I mean, it, it might be possible to say, well, that's the way. But it's a lot better if you can say, well, I've been there myself. Let me take you there. Or, or let me show you the way there. And so, as much as you might think that the emphasis is on the going, I think that before we go and, and, and try to do that, the emphasis needs to be on the being. I need to be that quality disciple. And, and in Western society, especially in the last couple hundred years, we have measured the quality of our discipleship by the information that we, we have accumulated. Western society and its relation to, you know, wrestling with the Bible and biblical truth has, for the last couple hundred years, in most church circles, followed the path of, of intellectualism and, and, and knowing the word and knowing the theology and knowing the doctrine and accumulating the information 
and our churches, for the most part, are built around passing on information. So we're going to teach you about baptism. We're going to, you know, we're going to teach you about spirit baptism. We're going to teach you about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to teach you about the role of the church. We're going to teach you about tithing and, and offerings and alms. We're going to teach you about holiness. We're going to have a Bible study. We're going to have a small group. We're going to teach you about how to manage your finances. Pastor Brent's going to do a sermon series, and we're going to do small groups, and we're, going to, we're, just, going to, we're just going to keep on passing on all kinds of information to you, hoping that you can somehow assimilate it into your life and produce in yourself the spiritual qualities that God would want for you. Now, I'm not opposed to that, and you would think, being a pastor of a church, that I'd be crazy to be opposed to that, but I want you to know that it's more than just information gathering. Your walk with God is more than just information gathering and having all of your doctrinal ducks in a row. Now, I'm not poo-pooing that. But I think spiritual formation goes way beyond just gathering information. But as churches and in Western society, we can unload a lot of information on you. And a lot of numbers. You know, uh, I, you know as you know, I follow hockey. And, uh, you know, Wow. I follow the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if I follow hockey. But uh, that's another debate. But, you know, one of the things in hockey these days is analytics. The numbers, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. They're talking about the numbers, you know. Don't trust your eyes, what you see on the ice. Don't trust what you see and what you hear. Trust the numbers. The numbers are going to tell you power plays and penalty kills and time on ice and where they're shooting from and where their success from which zone they're shooting from is, is providing the goals and all of those kinds of things. It's analytics, analytics, analytics. And, uh, you know, that's very Western. Show me the numbers, right? Show me the numbers. But, but I think that as much as it's important for you to gather information, I, I would like for you not to use the Bible as an encyclopedia or Wikipedia or as I like to call it, the Google. You know, like, this isn't just a book. This is God's Word. And this is God breathed for us to teach us not just, you know, the doctrinal truths, which I know are important, and, and having, a, a, you know, a good practical theology of what all this means to us, but this is revealing to us God and His Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit to us. And when we talk about being a good disciple, it isn't always about having all of the correct information and being able to articulate it well and share your testimony in five minutes or less effectively. But it's about utilizing the book so that you and I become like what the purpose of the book was made for, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That we would be like Jesus. That Jesus would be formed in us. And so I want you to think about that when you're asking yourself that question about, you know, like, am I looking and sounding and behaving more like Jesus? Not just have I memorized all 66 books of the Bible in order. Not just that. Or if somebody makes a, 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 you know, a random reference, I can tell you that it's in 1 Chronicles 26. Because, you know, I know that stuff. 
Or if you want, you know, a 10-minute sermon on baptism of the Holy Spirit and how Pentecostals understand it, you know, versus how some of the other denominations understand it, I can do that for you. But it's about Christ forming us. It's about looking and sounding and behaving more like Jesus every day. Uh, I think that's what, what qualifies as a good disciple. I think it especially qualifies as a good disciple in the context of what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus is telling his disciples to go and make disciples of those that don't yet know. And our tendency to, when we're sharing about Jesus, again, becomes informational. Let me tell you about my friend, right? Let me tell you about my friend Jesus, or let me tell you mostly, not mostly, but I think sometimes we actually don't talk about the friend. I think actually what we talk about sometimes is we talk about our church and our church practices. So let me, let me just tell you how you should share. I need a microphone that's live. Oh dear, me and a microphone in this church. I'm going to go to the dumb one. All I got to do is turn this on. Awesome. So, tell me about your grandchildren that were just born to you. Go ahead. Just everything you can think about your grandkids. Um, they were born last night, um, four minutes apart. Mavella, which is the girl, she was born first, and she was also the biggest at four, six pounds, seven ounces. Eli was born four minutes later at six pounds, five ounces. And they're both doing very well, and Rachel was awesome. What, what's the color of their hair? It was still wet, but it was dark. Dark hair. Which one's bigger, boy or girl? Mayvella, the girl. Mayvella. Who's she named after? Rachel Nobody? dreamt the name up. She did. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Um, you had twins. Yes. And now Rachel's had twins. Yes. Who else has had twins in the family? Uh, no. Well, my mom had triplets. Your mom had triplets? Yes. So this is your side of the family's fault. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always good to know where to place the blame. Right, Jerome? Right. <laughs> now, where are they living now? Essex. Oh, they're here? Yeah. They're here for good? Yeah. Did I know that at Christmas? You don't know what I know, right? No. I don't know what you know. So how many grandbabies do you have now? Uh, six boys and one girl, finally. Oh, you got a girl, finally. Girl. You'll notice when you're sharing about somebody that you love, right? There's, there's a passion there. There's an excitement there. Um, and yeah, she shared a little bit of the numbers because everybody wants to know how, how, how big the babies were. I thought about that. Is, is that just because it's representative, the, the bigger the baby, how much more pain the mom went through? Like, <laughs> women, moms? Like, just from a guy's point of view, you tell me a baby's like six pounds eight or eight pounds six, I don't care. You know, if it was a pickerel on the end of my line, oh, 
sorry, Southern Ontario. If it was a walleye on the end of my line, yeah, I forgot. Got to translate for you guys. You know, that'd be one thing, but a baby? I don't know. Um, and, and then the length. Why do you need to know the length? Because, I, look, I was at a, a store in the States yesterday. There's this place that sells secondhand stuff that's apparently pretty good. I don't know. I just follow Karen. We just track the store. And it has stuff that says 0 to 3, 3 to 6, 6 to 9, 9 to 12. And then I hear Karen say all this, oh, well, yes, you know, it's, it's 0 to 3, but it would never fit him now. Well, he's a month old. It says 0 to 3. That, that fills it in, right? It should fit because it says it should fit. So we also know sometimes the numbers don't mean anything, right? My point is this. Some of the information matters. Some of it doesn't matter so much. When we're talking about Jesus, you know, where we go to church and how we do church and this, that, and the other thing, I don't know if it matters that much. But you know what? You can get really excited, though, just talking about the person of Jesus. Not all the church stuff, not all the religious stuff, but just the person of Jesus Christ. Let me talk to you about the one who bled and died for me. I mean, I love my church, but I don't need to talk to you about my church. I don't need to talk to you, especially now, about all our church doctrine and how we're the same as or different one from this one. Because my church can't save you, and the water baptism at my church can't save you. The only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. So let me talk to you about the one I love, right? And so I think that's why when we're talking about our own discipleship, we can more effectively share about the one we love if we're truly in love with him. So again, pray so that you get to know him. Read your Bible so that you get to know and understand him better. But utilize all of that stuff not because you want to be the smartest person in your small group. Not because you want to be the smartest person on the board. Not because you want to be the smartest person in your Bible study. But read all of that because you are going to be the one that maybe knows him best of all. And that's what matters. Knowing him well. Only those that know Jesus well can go and make disciples well. I think before we get into all of the things that we're supposed to teach them, we have to understand that all of that comes from our own relationship with Jesus. If you know Jesus well, you will share the excitement just like, you know, grandma and grandpa did here. I, we got new grandbabies, man. We can't wait to tell you about our grandbabies. In fact, if you leave us new grandparents alone with you, we will bore you to death <laughs> with our grandbaby talk, you know? In this case, we're not boring anybody to death. We're, we're letting them know that there's life in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, a life that the Bible describes as more abundant life. So the Bible tells us that those that are supposed to get to know Jesus really well, that we have a responsibility to go and talk to others about Jesus. Again, not about church, not about all the doctrinal stuff, not all about the news stuff. Hey, did you hear about this guy or that gal or what's going on here or what's going on there? Let's focus on getting to know Jesus. The Bible tells us that we have the responsibilities as those that know Jesus well to go into all of the world. And let me put it this way, to go into all of your world. You're not going to go into all the world. Not you, not, not alone. 
I mean, through all the technology that we have these days, we know that the gospel is going into all of the world. But Jesus wasn't talking here about technology. Jesus was talking about, you know, human beings. Those of us with mouths and hands and feet. And he says that we have a responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ as it would grow over the millennia to go over and into all of the world. And you and I have a part of the world that God calls us to go into. And it's Windsor and it's Essex and it's wherever else God leads you and takes you on your, on, on your journeys through your life. But we have a responsibility to go into all the world. And what do we talk about? We talk about this, John 3, 16, that Jesus died for all humanity. That Jesus so loved the world, not was so angry at the world, not so frustrated. There's, there's so much stuff from the church these days, and I'm not just saying our church, I'm saying the church, but that you, you get lost that Jesus actually died on the cross for all humanity because he loved us. Not because he was angry with us. Not because he wants to bring judgment on gay people, you know, on alcoholics, on sex abusers, on thieves, on racists, on white supremacists, you know, on the agenda of, of gay and lesbian and transgender. And there's too many letters now for me. And there's this impression that, you know what, that the church is preaching a gospel that says this, boy, you guys better clean up your act really quick because there's an anger. God waiting to cast you into the lake of fire and for some of us that's the only message we know and we point the finger and we accuse and we condemn look the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God that means me that means you and we might measure people's sins and say some are more egregious than others but the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says this, that the wages of sin is death. It does teach that. But the Bible says that Jesus went to the cross not because he was angry with this world. In fact, could you go and look at John 3.16 for me? Could you actually take a moment and look at John 3.16? And then could you also read the verses that follow it? Because most people ignore the verses that follow John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. Do you know this part's in there too, church? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Bible says, look, they already stand condemned just because of unbelief. You and I don't need to practice a hate on them all the time. Whether they realize it or not, that's their spiritual standing. Without Christ, they're lost. And they're not lost because they're gay. They're lost because they're sinners. Folks, if we can't share the message of Jesus Christ and his redemption with love and a little humility, understanding that we too were condemned one time. If we can't do that, I don't know how we're going to make disciples. I don't know how. Jesus died for all humanity. 
Therefore, going to the entirety of humanity just makes sense and is consistent with the teachings of Jesus. Now, understand this. All humanity means everybody, just in case you were educated in a northern school. It doesn't mean go to the good people in the world or go to those that you think are maybe more likely to believe in Jesus Christ, but stay away from the bad people. Jesus got accused by the Pharisees of always hanging around the, the bad people. They said to themselves, you know, well, if he, you know, if he truly is the Messiah, if he's got some kind of spiritual sensitivity here, he would know that he shouldn't hang around folk like that. And then Jesus said, but the sick need a, they need a doctor. Imagine, imagine if you were in a hospital and you had some kind of disease and the, and the nurse comes out to the doctor and says, doctor, you know, uh, let, let's pick on, uh, thank you, uh, Brian, because you're quiet. Thank you. Brian, Brian has this disease and the doctor goes, ooh. He's got what? He's, well, I ain't going in there. And the, and the nurse says, well, why aren't you going in there? Well, he's sick. We're all sick with sin. You can name the sin. And some sins sound worse than other sins. And we think in the church, and it's probably true, that some people who sin with certain kinds of habits and behaviors seem to have some kind of agenda. I don't even think I disagree with that. I'm willing to work with you on that, too. But the bottom line is they still need Jesus. It just means that it's going to be a little tougher to love them. But we're called to love them. So, be a good disciple who understands that it's all about formation in your own spiritual life and being like Jesus and understanding that we're motivated by love to go into all the world because Jesus calls us into all the world and all the world means all of the people, even with the ones that got, ooh. And then it says, and teach them. Yes, called to baptize, but the emphasis in, in these two sentences is teaching them. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teaching them. Before you can teach, you got to know yourself. You have to know yourself. Now, the emphasis here is, is, is again, I'm not on the information dissemination. I'm not talking about the information dissemination and you having all your doctrinal ducks in a row. If you want to teach them what you know, the first, the first thing or the first person you know is Jesus. Just tell me about Jesus. There will be time for all of the other stuff. But if all the other stuff is separated from the relationship of Jesus Christ, then I do think then it just becomes doctrinal overload or information overload or information that we don't know how to assimilate and utilize in our lives so that we actually become like Jesus Christ. How do I pray so that I become like Jesus Christ? How do I read my Bible so I can become like Jesus Christ? How can I, how can I share my faith so I can speak to them about Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is Lord and it's the only thing that matters. There's all kinds of ways to split all kinds of doctrinal hairs, uh, w either with 
those that we call evangelicals and brothers and sisters in the faith and those that we think that are kind of, you know, doctrinally not sound. But when it comes down to it, the, the, the big, the way we discern how to, to sift through all that is what do you think about and what do you know about Jesus? Is Jesus the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Did he die on the cross for our sins? Was he raised on the third day? Did he ascend? And is he coming back again? I mean, if, if we can understand that that's the main stuff, then the rest is important, but not as significant. It's about Jesus. Caveat. Admonishment. In order to teach them to obey everything, we need to know the everything. Now, I don't mean that information-wise. There's no way you can know everything. Follow the slide behind me. The everything I have in bold letters is Jesus. In order to teach them to obey everything, we need to know the everything. And the everything is Jesus. And then I put, doctrine helps too. But that's not the main thing. And I know, you, I don't know, you may think I'm just crazy with that, you know. Trained, trained to, to, to manage and handle doctrine. The Apostle Paul teaches Timothy about good doctrine, having good doctrine. I believe in all that. But you cannot separate the doctrine from the person of Jesus Christ. You can't. Boy, we love our church debates, right? We can debate, you know, whether women should serve as pastors and whether women should serve as deacons, and we'll debate that, and we'll 1 Timothy 3 that, and we'll talk about that, you know? Can somebody be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? You know, should I be sprinkled or immersed in water? Do we dedicate or baptize children? All of, you know, tithing, is that a good thing in the new covenant? Or is that just old covenant stuff? Can we do away with that? Do we need church buildings? Or these days, should we just have house churches? I mean, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. And we're good at talking about all kinds of stuff. And probably some of those conversations are good conversations. But I wish we'd just talk more about Jesus sometimes. How are we going to go and make disciples if we can't talk about Jesus? In order to share the everything, we have to be in relationship with the whole world, or at least some of it. There's the other thing that we don't do well in church, is we are so accustomed to congregating and gathering that we're not very good in the going. I have people regularly ask me about another small group or another study or another gathering. I only have a few that ever talk to me about, hey, pastor, can we go somewhere and do something? I think we all own that one. But before we can go and share, we have to understand that our relationship with Jesus Christ should be the primary focus. You you must know him in order to share him. Again, we can get caught up in the sharing of church and church stuff and the news and how that affects the morality and the ethics of the world today. 
But we must know him before we can share him. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean you have to be an expert on Jesus. I believe a person brand new saved can talk about Jesus because I believe a brand new saved person can say this. I know this. I was once lost, but I'm found. I was a sinner, but I've been set free. I was under judgment, but I'm not, a, I, I'm not anymore. And the thing about people that are brand new saved when they're sharing their faith, because they don't know the doctrine and they don't know church and church life, they don't talk about that because they don't know that. All they want to talk about is Jesus. So stay dumb. No. But for some of us, remember when the, when the only thing that you were maybe a quasi-expert in was just the fact that you were saved? And you're just grateful to be saved. You didn't have all your ducks in a row. You weren't necessarily articulate, you know, and you probably said things and did things you, you probably shouldn't have, and, you know, you got that sorted out later on. But I tell you, you were passionate about Christ. So, our goal. This is our goal as disciples. And it goes right back to Jesus as Lord. Our goal is this. Our goal is to make Jesus known. Period. Oh, there's all kinds of other stuff that we do on the way, I'm sure. But our goal is to go in all of the world, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always until the end of the world. Right? Jesus promises he's going to be with us. But don't think when he says the teaching is, is just all of the doctrinal stuff that we believe, either as evangelicals or as Pentecostals, that that's what Jesus wants us to go and share. The knowing, the stuff that we have to know is we have to know about Jesus. It's good to know your Bible well enough that you can easily talk about Jesus and share your faith with Jesus, whether it's from the Gospels or it's from the Epistles that you can easily share. I mean, if you can go back into your Old Testament and share some of that stuff to help you get down the road to Jesus, that's great too. But, but the bottom line is, is we want to know the Bible well. We want to know Jesus well so that whenever we're given the opportunity, we will share him well. But here's the other thing. When you know Jesus well, you're going to want to go into all the world because you're never going to be satisfied just gathering. Because we know that our gathering, again, can, can, can disseminate information. But we have a responsibility to go into all of the world. Whether it's your workplace, or it's your family, or it's your neighborhood, or it's your sports team. Whatever that is, to make Jesus known. And keep it simple. Talk about Jesus. And folks, when you know Jesus well, it's like having a grandparent and you come up to Carol and Jerome and you say, hey, I hear you had some grandbabies. And immediately, not because they're narcissistic, but grandparents kind of are, you know, at least about their families. Immediately, you just you start talking about your grandbabies. And you start talking about your daughter and, you, just, you know, the delivery and the pregnancy. And, and I, I remember, again, this will be edited. Trust me, everything's edited here. <laughs> Nothing is edited here, folks. <laughs> We don't have the technology to edit anything. But, but, but Carol said to me, I'll say it on this side, eh? and she said to me about Rachel, she was as big as a house. <laughs> Jerome said that, sorry. <laughs> edit that. Wait, Kev, wake up. Edit, yeah, sure. <laughs> but but I, what I mean is, you just naturally share. It's not forced. You don't have to beg me. 
I want to tell you about this wonderful relationship and the good news that happened in my life. Same thing with us with Jesus, right? You don't have to beg me. You don't have to force me in to talk to Jesus. He saved me. I mean, why wouldn't I want to talk to you about Jesus? He saved me. Let's stand and pray.